The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. You're listening to Get the Out. You're listening to Get the Out. Yo, you're listening to Get the Out. You're listening to Get the Out. What's up? You're listening to Get the Out. Yo, you're listening to Get the Out. You're listening to Get the Out. Uh, excuse me, it's Get the Funk Out. Right here on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, every Monday at 9. For more information on the show, you can visit the show blog at getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org. That's right. Get the f*** out. All right, enough already. I get it. Hey, what's up? Hope everybody's having a great Monday morning. I'm your host, Janine. This is Get the Funk Out. Hope no one's in a funk this Monday. I have a very special guest who I've been wanting to have on the show. I have to say, she is one of the most inspiring guests I've ever had on Get the Funk Out. My special guest is Cindy Charlton. She's a professional speaker and author with a valuable message. Cindy is a triple amputee. Her story of survival will not only amaze you, but she's going to give you hope and inspiration and appreciate and make the most out of every moment. You will really get that message by the end of this morning. It's my pleasure to welcome this week's show, Cindy Charlton. Hi, Cindy. Hi, Janine. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for calling in from Colorado. Oh, sure. Is it cold there? Uh, (laughs) No. (laughs) I love Colorado. Not not yet. It's uh, about... 60 degrees currently. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, it, we're, we're getting the, uh, the calm before the storm that's coming in tomorrow, apparently. I think we're getting the same thing. You know, I'm from the East Coast, and right now it's in the 30s. My dad keeps telling me, and I'm like, sorry, uh, won't be coming in anytime <laughs> soon. <laughs> Have to wait. No, yeah, no apologize. No, no, no apologies necessary, right? I, I mean, it is what it is. I know, so. I know. Yeah. So as I introduced you, I don't. You probably didn't hear it, but I. You really are one of the most inspiring guests I've ever had on the show. Ah, uh, well, thank you. Um, I, I'm not so sure why you're saying that. You know, it's 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 kind of an interesting um, an interesting thing when I uh, when I speak at different uh, places, organizations, or whatever. Um, I get this. Uh, people who are just overwhelmed when they when they hear my story, mm-hmm. and to me, it's it's simply my day to day. And and I I have often wondered. I, I guess I have a I have just a different view of myself. You I don't do. see myself as a superstar, or a rock star, or you know, I'm just a person who's had some adversity and who's learned to deal with that and. Not unlike really anybody else in this world, um, 
But when people hear my story, they hear the whole story at once. Mm-hmm. They, they don't see it past, present, future as I have lived it. Um, and I live it moment by moment, just like everybody else lives their lives. And so, you know, when you take it moment by moment, it's not that big of a deal. But, Cindy, have you always been such a positive person? Well, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I will tell you, I, I think I was born with my glass half full. My, <laughs> my mom said that when I was born, I came out with a glass of champagne, <laughs> ready, ready to party. <laughs> always a good time. I love it. Um, but, yes, I, I have been very positive in my life. And um, I, you know, I guess I, I kind of get it from my dad. He was also kind of the, the sunny side of the block kind of guy. Mm-hmm. And um, I feel very fortunate that I had that role model in my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, interestingly, my mom was, was kind of a pessimistic person. She Really? Yeah, she told me, she's so funny, she said to me, um, never, never, hope, never hope for the very best because then when you don't get it, you're not disappointed. Oh, my gosh, that doesn't and seem like you. My, I, my <laughs> retort to that was, yeah, but, you know, in the time that you're hoping for the best, it's thrilling and exciting. <laughs> so, so you've got even you know you've got maybe that uh, that moment where everything seems that seems to be you know marvelous and and mm-hmm. fun and exciting. So what if if you don't get what you hope for? That's right. Well, you're disappointed either way, right? That's so right. why not live in the excitement for the moment? Exactly. Enjoy the ride. Yeah. Enjoy the journey. Enjoy in exactly. Yes, yes. Exactly. Well, if you don't mind, well, first of all, I want to back up. Happy birthday. Oh, thank you. I know I'm a few days late. Um, did you do anything fun or special or get anything exciting for your birthday? Uh, well, I got a dog. Um, <laughs> Is that good or bad? And, uh, uh, well, <laughs> at the moment, I was not pleased. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now I have to say I am. I feel very blessed okay. because I lost my my little tiny dog um, that I'd had for twelve years. I lost her in September, and um, she was my service dog. What I call my service dog. She demanded mm-hmm. the service, and I provided it. <laughs> and um, <laughs> she she was just she was such a gift to me. She. She came to me shortly after my husband, Michael, passed away. And um, she, you know, she was my companion. She'd sit with me in my chair and in the living room, which I was unable to sit in right after he died because it was just too lonely for me. (sighs) But when she came into my life, she and I would sit together at night after the kids were in bed, and and I felt, you know, much more complete Mm -hmm. with her. So... When she passed, it was a devastation to me and my children both. Um, That's awesome. So for my birthday, my kids decided that I needed a dog. <laughs> and I think the subtext was that they actually needed, needed the a dog. dog. Yeah. Yeah. So they went to the uh, Denver Animal Shelter. They found this three-year-old beagle, female beagle, online, and they adopted her and brought her home. And I 
was not exactly thrilled with the idea Wait, because me. I was still getting over losing my of, my precious of, little dachshund. Of course. I mean, how did they surprise you with the dog? Did they just walk in the house, or did they actually um, really surprise you? No. They well, <clears throat> they were going to, but um, they they uh, they were going to bring her uh, last Wednesday. But what happened was she the animal shelter thought that she needed to be spayed first. Oh. oh. And so they weren't going to be able to pick her up until Friday. Well, my oldest son, who is 21 now, picked up my uh, my other son from school. He's a senior in high school. Mm-hmm. And they went down to the animal shelter. I did not know what was going on. All I knew was that my younger son had to be at work at 4.30 that afternoon, and they weren't weren't coming home. And so I called my oldest son on his mm-hmm. cell phone and said, "Okay, what's what gives?" What's and going so on? they kind of had to Fess they up. had to blurt it out. Oh. As it turns out, she'd already been spayed, so they didn't have to do that. <laughs> um, but so I had a day and a half to kind of get over the angst of having a new dog yes. and you know what was she going to be like. But let me tell you, cute. She is an amazing little creature, mm. and she's brought such joy to us. She is so sweet and so well-trained. That's great. Um, yeah. And she gets me out walking every morning, which is good. So That's we walk good. about a mile every day or more. Um, That's more than on... most people, so, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm on a mission, Janine. I'm on a weight loss, get fit mission. Well... And I know you're up to all kinds of things, but I want to back up. And if you could share how this all came about, how you became a triple amputee, you know, Mm -hmm. my listeners would be really interested. Okay, sure. Um, Well, I'll tell you, I know exactly the time and the date of the first symptom. It was February 13th, 1997 at 4.55 in the afternoon. And I will remember that until probably the day I die. Um, it, it, it hit me profoundly just as um, the Twin Towers coming down, 9-11, Columbine, same thing, Ugh. and uh, JFK's assassination, um, which dates me, but okay. <clears throat> I do still remember where I was and what I was doing at the time I heard that news. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was in my office. I was getting ready to leave. I was the uh, customer service manager at a Saturn retail facility mm-hmm. um, in northern Denver, and I um, was getting ready to leave. I was going to night school at the time I was uh, working on my, my uh, paralegal um, degree, thinking that I might someday want to be an attorney when I grew up, mm-hmm. and um, <laughs> I went ahead and went to night class. I had a, a, well, I was in my office, and I got this really piercing harsh pain under my left arm, and um, I just could not even tell you what that was all about. I couldn't figure it out, but I went on to night school, and during my class, uh, I started to feel pretty ill, uh, along with the pain. So when I got home, I told Michael that I had been, you know, having this pain, and, and I was not feeling well. The next morning, <clears throat> I was um, I was really sick and uh, sick to my stomach and 
just in so much pain. It was unbelievable. Excuse me. Had you been yeah. somewhere? Had you been out of the country? Had, I mean, did you think, okay, I must have picked it up because I just came back from... You, you had no idea. No. At this point, I still thought I had injured my arm somehow. Oh. And the reason that I was ill was because of the pain. I, the, the pain was so intense, I thought I was sick to my stomach from the pain. Sure. So I had no clue that I was sick. I mean, I just thought that I had injured myself somehow. Mm-hmm. So when, when we went to the we went to the ER, and um, uh, uh, Michael dropped me off and took the kids on to daycare. And then my boys at the time were were four and one, um, and came back. The doctor there sent me home with pain medication, um, thinking that it was a virus which had settled in my muscle, in my arm. And uh, 12 hours later, I was back in the ER literally fighting for my life. Oh, my gosh. And what it was was uh, what, they, what, what is medically termed strep A necrotizing fasciitis, um, commonly known as the flesh-eating bacteria. Oh, they have no idea where this <laughs> came from. No, mm-mm, none. Ugh. And, you know, with, with um, NF, with necrotizing fasciitis, I have read a lot about it and, and actually have met survivors uh, of it as well. But one of the things that they talk about is a portal of entry um, that's pretty obvious uh, where that bacteria can get into the bloodstream. Mm-hmm. With me, there was no obvious portal of entry. Um, so they were pretty, pretty, uh, uh, um, confused. Sure. They, they weren't sure what was going on at first mm-hmm. and then, um, and then figured it out. Uh, unfortunately, by the time they figured it out, it was, it was too late for me. Oh my and gosh. I, uh, yeah. And it moves very rapidly. It's a very rapid moving bacteria. And uh, so I just really believe that I am lucky to be alive. I know I am. You are. You are. Yeah. Yeah. What was going through, I mean, did they, you know, basically give you painkillers and knock you out? I mean, did you know what was going on? No. um, And, in fact, um, the last thing I remember, so, okay, so I I go back to the hospital. I am admitted. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, there were several um, diagnoses which they had on their differential, what they decided, you know, they, they kind of list in order what could be wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and the last thing I remember hearing was that it was a blood clot in my lung. And I did have a lot of blood clots going on, by the way, but it had nothing to do with um, with, the, with having a, a blood clot in my lung. It had everything to do with the disease process itself. Mm-hmm. But um, so I, I, that was the last I heard. Um, I had been given, I can't even tell you how many painkillers, shots, um, infusions. <laughs> I mean, it was crazy. Uh, I had one doctor tell me, you know, you, should, you shouldn't even be conscious at this point. Really? But my pain was so intense, um, and I write about this, too. It, it almost had its own identity. I mean, that's how intense this pain was. Oh. And it kept me very focused, 
And um, so finally, they gave me enough morphine to uh, get to to uh, move me down to CCU in the hospital, the critical mm-hmm. care unit. They were scared that because of how much morphine I had that I would be having trouble breathing. Well, when I got down there, uh, infectious disease doctor came in and he was talking to me. And the next thing I knew, he was back talking to me. And what had happened was he told me I fell off the cliff. So my blood pressure crashed. My heart stopped. And um, when when I remembered him coming back, he was holding my hand and telling me I pr- very likely would not make it. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. So the Whew. next thing I knew, my husband Michael was there, and I was headed to surgery. And that's one of the things that they do to try to um, combat this, this insidious bacteria is to re- literally surgically remove the infected tissue. Mm-hmm. And uh, so the first surgery I had um, at one hospital, and then um, I was airlifted after that, that uh, from that surgery, airlifted to another hospital that had hyperbaric chamber, mm-hmm. um, because then that's another theory that um, hyperbaric chambers help to, that intense oxygen helps to fight the bacteria itself. And so... They airlifted me there. Well, I was unconscious that when they knocked me out for that surgery, was that, I was me. gone for about 45 days. What? Yeah, I was in a coma, drug-induced coma for 45 days. They airlifted you to another hospital in Colorado or another state? Yes. Another mm-hmm. Nope, oh, it was God. only about two miles from the hospital I was at, but because I was so critical, they didn't have ground transport with the medical equipment I needed to sustain my life. So they had to airlift me. Um, and then there's a story that goes along with that. Do you want to hear it? I would, yes, I would. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so they do. They airlift me from one hospital to the other. And um, when, I, when I came to, um, it was I went in February 14th, um, actually early February 15th, 1 o'clock in the morning. When I finally came to and figured out, starting to figure out what was going on, it was, it was March 31st. What? Oh, my gosh. So, I, yeah, I felt like Rip Van Winkle. Right. Oh, yeah. But, um, but um, and then when I came to, I had no legs. I had no right hand and arm. My half of my chest was missing, was gone. And I, I just couldn't understand. I couldn't wrap my mind around what had happened to me. And so, um, and I was feeling pretty distraught. I mean, probably the worst I've ever felt in my life, as you can imagine. I can imagine, yes. This doctor kept coming into the ICU, and, and he would peek his head around my door to my room. He never quite came in, but he he called me Miracle Lady. Mm. And the first day I remember him doing that, I, I looked at him like he had grown a third eye. You know, <laughs> I, I mean, who the heck are you, and right. why are you calling me Miracle Lady yes. was my thought. And he kept doing it. Um, and finally, I beckoned him into my room. At this time, I couldn't even... I could not uh, talk. 
um, because I had a trach, mm-hmm. in, and uh, I couldn't talk. So I just kind of motioned him to come in to my room, and uh, he, I asked, I, you know, asked him, what's going on? Um, mm-hmm. Why are you calling me Miracle Lady? What did he say? Well, he said, okay, he says, I'll tell you why. He said, I flew in with you on the flight for life. And he said, during our flight, your heart stopped twice. He said, when we landed here at this hospital, your ICU team came out to meet us. He said, your nurse came over. Her name is Arliss Hoekstrom, by the way. She is an angel living on this earth, I will tell you right now. He said, she asked me, she said, Dr. Dillingham, what is this woman's prognosis? Is she going to make it? Mm-hmm. And he said, I looked at her and I said, Arliss, if she makes it through this night, it will be nothing less than miraculous. Oh. And that's why I call you Miracle Lady. I have such chills. And, well, I'll tell you what. <clears throat> From that moment on, I recognized how darn lucky I was. Because up till then, I had no idea. I had no idea, no clue how close I had come to not having life. And I had these two little baby boys at home and a husband, a house, you know, the yes, two yeah. cars. Yeah. <laughs> the only thing I was missing from my American dream was my dog. Your dog. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, that it had a profound impact on me. When I realized that, I, I was filled with gratitude. And mm. that is one of the things that has sustained me throughout my life um, is gratitude. You're incredible. You are... No, I'm just darn lucky. <laughs> you, but you're so strong. You're so positive. You're so strong. Oh. You know? Well, I don't know. I, you know, I've talked to a lot of survivors, Janine, and, you know, people who really come through the storm and they realize how lucky they are, and I think we all have that, that, that feeling of tremendous gratitude for still being here walking on this planet. But did you ever have, I mean, perhaps you did, have days of woe is me and, oh, I'm in a funk and how am I going to get out? Or or was it, wow, I'm just so blessed to be alive and where do we go from here? Well, certainly I've had days. I mean, I have had, you know, uh, days where I've I've just been distraught and anguished, especially after my husband Michael passed away. Sure. You know, I was left here with these two little boys. at the time, Colin, my youngest son, was five, and Wes just had his ninth birthday. Well, not quite. He, he was a week away from his ninth birthday when Michael died. <sighs> and, and I am in this newly disabled body, you know, still trying to get my bearings um, about me. And I really, really struggled with, sure. you know, how am I going to make this work for all of us? Plus the grief, yes, um, and and dealing with my children's grief as well. So, I will tell you, I have a cache of what I call survivor tools, and um, gratitude is one of those tools. The other tool that I've used tremendously, and that I've come to recognize, um, probably through Michael's illness, and actually something he helped me recognize in myself, was courage. Mm-hmm. And um, that has gotten me through thick and thin, realizing that I'm courage, courageous and not letting, um, and not letting my fear um, 
drive me. Yes. It's yes. my courage that keeps me going. Okay. Anything else? In my cache of survivor tools? Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have tons of them. Um, but I think probably the most profound is gratitude. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I'm... Uh, are you riding a are you riding a motorcycle or something? <laughs> yeah, I'm chasing my dog around. She's trying to eat things she shouldn't. I think she knows I'm on the phone and tied up, so she's getting into. Okay, I heard cars or a motorcycle eat. or something. Yeah, it was a motorcycle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yes, I mean, um, as far as that goes, um, gratitude is the number one, the yeah. number one thing sure. I think that really keeps me focused. Um, and the positive attitude comes through the gratitude. Yes. And, um, you know, we just have so much to be grateful for. And from what I hear, you have incredibly strong boys. You shared with me how you said when you got through this and then having to deal with your husband, you know, Michael, you said, you know, i got to be there for my kids. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of funny. I'll tell you this story. I I have a dear friend who lives in Santa Fe. She and I grew up together, actually. Um, Her name is Lori Deal. And um, she she and her husband came to visit um, after I got out of rehab and and home trying to establish my new normal. Mm -hmm. And uh, we had gone, I don't know where, we we were on our way going somewhere together. And she said to me... um, You know, she said, if you wrote this in a soap opera, nobody would watch it because they wouldn't believe. It's not believable what you have gone through, what you've lived through. No, she's right. It's unbelievable. Nobody would watch it. Right. And I I was just laughing. I said, well, you know, life happens. I mean, things happen to people all the time. She goes, well, the one best thing that you're going to get out of this Mm -hmm. is that your children will grow up to be very strong and very compassionate young men. And you know what? She she was she was absolutely right. And I told her, you know, from your lips to God's ears, you know, I hope that's very true. Yeah. And um, and my children are very strong. Um, and I feel oh, I feel so lucky. I can depend on them for many things. Mm-hmm. And we are very close. That's um, great. And they are very close to each other. That's my so children. important. So important. It is. Cindy, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I want to talk about some of the things you have going on in Colorado. I know you were part of the prosthetic parody bill in Colorado. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll talk mm-hmm. more about that. Mm-hmm. And also, you're a columnist, you have a blog. Uh, so we'll come back after a short break. Okay. All right, hang tight. Thanks. We're speaking with Cindy Charlton. I'm your host, Janine. This is Get the Funk Out. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll listen uh, to Cindy talk about her story. If you've missed any part of today's show, It'll be up on my blog, getthefunkoutshow.kci.org. You're listening to 88.9 FM, KUCI Irvine. The opinions expressed on this program do not reflect the views of KUCI or the University of California, Irvine.
Hi there. Welcome back to Get the Funk Out. I'm your host, Janine. We are joined by Cindy Charlton calling in from Colorado. Hi, Cindy. Hi, Janine. So I told people if they missed any part of the show, they can listen on the blog. It'll be up within an hour, which is getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org. You, I posted uh, your bio on my blog, and uh, since all this has happened to you, my goodness, look at what's going on. You're a professional speaker. You're an author. Uh, you're part of something called the Prosthetic Parity Bill in Colorado. Could you tell me about that? Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, well, it was back in um, 1999. Well, first, let me preface it this way. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I want to tell you and your listeners this because it's very important. When I was in the hospital, I had more people sending me cards and well wishes and doing things for my family, and I mean strangers. Really? Um, people I'd never met. And it went worldwide. Um, and I was so overwhelmed by the gloriousness of humanity. I, I can't even tell you mm. what that did for me. Um, and that, again, I, I talked about gratitude, but... Um, that, that made me want to go out and pay it forward. I really, and in a very spiritual way as well, too, because I really felt like, like I had divine intervention, that I got a second chance at this life. Mm -hmm. So I really wanted to pay it forward and to, and to do good, um, to help as many people as, as I can. And I still I still go forth and work on that, and I, I have a project that's coming up, and if we have time, I'll, I'll tell you about that, that okay. this next Sunday. But um, so, so that being said, <laughs> mm. um, in 1999, um, I met a man who is a bilateral below-the-knee amputee like myself, okay. and uh, he was very well-versed with... Um, uh, national um, legislation, and was recruiting, actively recruiting people to help him work on a bill for the state of Colorado called the Prosthetic Parity Bill. It didn't have a name yet, but we had named it um, after we formed our committee. So I volunteered to work with him on this thing. That's great. And um, so there were six of us um, on this committee, and we wrote the bill. Um, and basically what it is is a health insurance mandate in the state of Colorado, which requires health insurance companies to pay for prosthetic arms and legs. Fantastic. Yes. Right. Because yes. the trend has been nationwide for insurance, health insurance companies to lump prostheses under durable medical equipment. And that usually caps off at about $1,500 a year. And that's probably not even a drop in the bucket. Oh, no. No, that wouldn't yeah. even pay for, you know, the, the extraneous stuff that I have for my, for mm-hmm. my prostheses. So, um, so I did help work on that bill. I testified before the Senate and the, um, and the House. Um, and I, I was the one that they asked to testify because I, I had the most limbs missing, so I got to be their poster child okay. of the group. <laughs> um, not to mention that, you know, 
I I do not lack for words, as you well know, if you've uh, figured that out as we've been through this interview. Yes. But um, no, also from the blog, you're called the Disability Diva and, you know, yes. all these other things. We'll get into that. Yeah. But, so, so go ahead. But anyway, to make a long story short, we did pass the bill um, on the first first attempt, which was really, Fantastic. really uh, great. Mm-hmm. And since then, um, I believe that there are 30 other states now who have passed the same legislation so um health insurance mandate and it and like i said it requires health insurance uh covered health insurance companies to cover prosthetic legs and arms to at least medicare standards so we've got you know that that has been a real gift to many many people here in our what a financial relief for so many people well, yeah, yeah, yeah. When you, yeah. you know, I wear. I told people um, when I was testifying back in '99. Mm-hmm. You know, I wear the equivalent to a brand new SUV on my body. What was the reaction so, to that? Well, pretty jaw jaw dropping. Yes, I have to say. I yes. think people don't realize, you know, how expensive it is. Right. So yeah. Now you also yeah. do some. You do some training programs. I understand. Yeah, I do. I have. Uh, I do disability etiquette training, mm-hmm. and <clears throat> basically, it's just how to how uh, how to bridge the gap between the able-bodied and the disabled-bodied world, and how to treat people with disabilities so that everybody is comfortable. Yes, very important. Um, recently, I just did that program for uh, a group of lawyers and uh, judges in Colorado. And I got that program accredited for um, continuing legal education in the state of Colorado. And then uh, one hour of that can go toward an ethics, their ethics portion of their CLEs. So very excited about that as well. Because they're probably going to offer that, what, in other states eventually because of what you're doing? Well, um, hopefully I can go to other states and offer my training. Yes. Yes. And for... For the legal community, for nonprofits, for anyone really, right. um, who because I I think everybody needs it, frankly. Yes. Yeah, we do. Everybody. Yeah. Needs it. Yes. Yeah. And you're also col- columnist for uh, In Motion Magazine. I understand. In Motion Magazine is a uh, 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 prosthetic. Um, it's through the Amputee Coalition, and it's a uh, magazine that deals with amputees. Mm-hmm. And, um, yes, I am a contributing columnist to that, um, which has been really great. And um, I also write uh, for Chicken Soup for the Soul. I saw that. And, yeah, I have four publications in four different anthologies with them. And um, I was... Uh, just published in um, a literary journal last spring called Progenitor, and that was a real, oh, it's just an amazing, an amazing thing. What's that one about? Um, Progenitor is a literary journal, so it has uh, creative nonfiction, fiction, and poetry, um, and it's through a local little um, community college. Mm-hmm. But the uh, uh, program, or the progenitor itself, has um, won national awards for uh, small press um, uh, publications. Through that, though, the the 
one of the most exciting things that has come out of that is that um, my story uh, entitled, it's titled My Left Breast, mm-hmm. is, um, has been nominated for a literary award called the Pushcart um, Literary Award. Congratulations. Yeah, and that's a really, a real feather in my cap. That is huge. Yeah. So, anyway. um, So that's 2015? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So keep your fingers crossed. I will. (laughs) I will. That would be great. So, yeah, I do. I do a lot of writing about my, my, my children, my family, um, my personal story, and, like, you know, all in hopes that it, it gives people inspiration and hope for mm-hmm. their own lives and what they're going through yes. at any given time. I know, because just when you feel like, you know, things can't get any worse or your life is unique and you're just down in the dumps, you know, you're going to inspire people. Well, that's, that's kind of what I feel called to do, mm-hmm. Janine, um, and that's a lot of my speaking is inspirational. You know, um, hopefully some of it is um, something that people can latch onto and use in their own lives. Um, I talk a lot about lifelines, you know, what, what causes you to go on, what is it or what, who is it, that throws you a lifeline to pull you out of the darkness and into the light, mm. you know, and to think about that because there are people everywhere, probably some we don't even know about, yes. who are rooting for us. That's true. I mean, look at all the strangers who wrote to you. You didn't even know these oh people. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was just amazing. It was amazing. In fact, I had so many visitors at one time in the <laughs> hospital, I had to... <laughs> I had to work out a, a signal with the nurses so that when they would come and check and I could do the signal so that people wouldn't know that I wanted them to leave because yes. I was so exhausted. Of course. But um, I did. I, <laughs> it was kind of a funny thing. You That's know, it good. It was just crazy. That is so, funny. Funny, but, yeah. you know, it's good you thought to do that because yeah. you, you probably had so much time to recover and heal and, you know. Yeah, a lot of energy, a mm-hmm. lot of energy to get get uh, get healed and get out um, of the hospital. And I, I was so determined to leave as quickly as I could that I wanted to do everything that I could, you know, to get out. So, How long were you there in total time? Um, I was in the hospital for three months, mm-hmm. and then I was in rehab for nine weeks. Whew. So almost six months. Oh, my gosh, what a journey. Yeah. Oh. What a journey, yeah, yeah. Do you in the rehab, let me tell you what, yeah. man, oh man, that was not easy. Um, getting up on my legs for the first time and, you know, getting ready to get up on my legs for the first time. Well, I was probably in the best physical shape I've ever been in my life, frankly, after the workout that physical therapist gave me. <laughs> I think you were telling me it was very painful once you first got up on your oh, yeah. aesthetic legs. Yeah, it was. It was. But, you know, it's, it's like anything else in life. You know, you have to make a decision. Yes, you do. And um, the decision I made was to go on, to move on. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to get stuck. I didn't want to get stuck in the darkness. I didn't want to get stuck in despair. I didn't want to get stuck in the pain. And so sometimes it costs you a little bit um, emotionally or physically to move on. Right. But for me... 
that was the only choice I had. And I love the quote you sent me. It's on my blog. If you only look at what you've lost, you'll never be able to see what you have. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And that actually came out of a conversation I had with my mother. Um, you know, my little pessimistic mother who yeah. absolutely, she was, uh, don't get me wrong, she was a beautiful human being. Mm-hmm. She was absolutely an amazing gift. That's great. Um, but she, she was here. She and my dad came um, after, during Michael's last few days. They were here. And um, she, and, and they stayed with me a month um, oh, after he passed. But I had, uh, again, so many cards, so many people sending stuff, um, you know, that I decided I needed to write a, a, a thank you um, that I could send. Because there's literally hundreds of, of people, and I wanted to thank them all. So I wrote a thing. I wrote an official thank you, mm-hmm. and I showed it to my mom. I had her read it, and I said, what do you think about this? What would she say? And she looks up at me. She's got tears streaming down her face, and she said to me, I cannot believe how positive you are after everything you've lost. <sighs> and I said to her, well, Mom, you know, if I only thought about what I've lost, I'd never be able to see all that I have. So that's where that quote originated. And that just came out of your mouth right then and there. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. that's exactly how I feel. Yeah. You know, if you get stuck in the darkness, guess what? All you're going to see is dark. That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. You're incredible. Do you have other things that are on your plate for um, the year to come? Um, well, yeah, actually. <laughs> I am um, I'm writing a proposal for... Um, for a nursing program, I'm hoping to do a seminar um, for specifically for certified nurses assistants um, here in Colorado. Um, they're called CNAs. Mm-hmm. Um, they are certified. They are licensed, and they have they do have some continuing ed requirements as well for their licensure. So um, I'm putting together a model that um, the Amputee Coalition actually has used for training for peer visitors, which I've done training for, um, for amputees. Peer visitors basically are amputees who go to hospitals and rehabs and, and talk to people who are Going through um, the same thing. Uh, newly amputated yes. or, or are surviving limb loss or going through that, that process. That's and great. Um, they have a beautiful model, the recovery model. And so one of the things that I'm, I'm doing is putting that recovery model together with specific listening skills, mm-hmm. depending on the phases of uh, where, the, where the patient is or where the person is who's going through loss um, is. And we're going to do listening skills and then um, the kind of emotional support that they need during each phase. You so that's coming up. You know what's incredible, Cindy? I'm listening to you and... You have incredible empathy. So for you to create training and do all these things from a perspective of you know what it's like to sit in those people's shoes is tremendous. Exactly. Exactly. Because I've been there. Right. You know, I've been on, uh, I've been, I've been that person who goes, oh, you know, the sky is falling. Yes. And, um, and I have also been the person that says, the sky may be falling a little bit, but guess what? It ain't going to all come down. That's right. And this is why. 
and this is how. So, um, mm. yeah, so I'm hoping that that goes. I mean, I'm really excited about this prog- program. And then I'm also hoping to get it accredited for continuing uh, education for physical therapists. That would be um, fantastic. Yeah, and I'm, I'm on the board, on the physical therapy board, the state regulatory board here in Colorado for physical therapy uh, therapists. And I will have to, I have to say, they are just such a grand, grand group of folks. Um, PTs are probably at the top of my list, along with nurses, yes. of being the, the most incredible people. Mm. So, yeah. You are unbelievable. I, I'm just, uh, I'm listening to you and I'm thinking, you know, this woman, you know, some people, they don't even want to, like, get out of bed sometimes in the morning or they, yeah. they're in a funk about this or they're like, oh, I don't want to walk that mile today. It's drizzling. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. You know? Exactly. Or my, my left foot hurts. You know? Yeah. I'm achy. Uh, well, my left foot sometimes hurts, too. It's amazing. Even though I don't have one, mm-hmm. it still bothers me on occasion, <laughs> which is the strangest thing I, in the world. I've heard I have that. To tell you. I've heard you this. Know? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it is. I mean, that's one of our regular topics as amputees is, you know, what do you do when, you're, when your foot itches and you have no foot to scratch? <laughs> and then everybody laughs, you know. Oh. Well, you scratch something. It may not that be That is so foot. funny. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> now, yeah. as far, now, at the very beginning of the show, you were saying, oh, I'm, I'm walking a mile a day. And are you mm-hmm. training for something or are you... Working on something, you know, with personal goals? I am. Goal. What are you doing? I am working on something. I, I've decided that uh, when I get down to my best running weight, okay. um, I want to start, I do want to start running and Look hopefully um, actually try out for the Paralympics Look as a runner. Unbelievable. Um, well, you know, it's something that I've never, I never even considered until just recently and I... I talked to my prosthetist about it. He's the guy that makes my prosthetic limbs. Mm-hmm. And uh, I asked him, I said, am I going to, can I, do you think, be able to use uh, cheetahs, which are the running blades? Yeah, the Olympians and, I've seen use mm-hmm. them. Yeah. And uh, he said, sure, why not? You know, he says it's going to be hard because they're hard to balance on. But if anybody can do it, you can. <laughs> so I said, great. So when I... When I finish losing all the weight I want to lose and continue my training, mm-hmm. um, get ready for them. Get ready for me. You're going to be on those cheetah blades. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so, great. Yeah. Oh. So that's, that's what I'm, that's what I'm working goal. on. That those, is a great All goal. those things. And hopefully we'll, you know, things will come together and, and uh, I'll get 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 my funk out and get out on the track and start running, Janine. I think it's great. I don't see any funks. I don't hear any <laughs> funks. Tell me your blog. Uh, Do you want to throw out your blog and any information about you? Sure. Um, well, I have a website, and my website is uh, cindycharltonspeaks.com. All one, one uh, um, character link. Okay. Um, and my blog is called The Survivor's Handbook, and it's, uh, it is on um, Blogspot. So it's, okay. it's HTTP, The Survivor's Handbook, all one mm-hmm. um, thing, and it's uh, The Survivor's Handbook.blogspot.com. Blog- okay. mm-hmm. 
blogspot. I'm going to put it on my blog after okay. the show. So, any yeah. any last uh, parting words before we wrap up? Well, um, you know, I I just uh, I guess what I would say. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to beat you. But <laughs> what I'd like to say is that um, you know anything can happen to anyone at any time. Right. But it's what you do with the anything that matters. It's so true. And um, keeping in mind that if you get up every day and you find something, no matter how big or small, to be grateful for in your life, um, then your day will be blessed. Mm. Cindy, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure having you on the show. Oh, thanks, Janine. I really appreciate it. Oh, you're, you're incredible. If you've missed any part of the show, Cindy will... The interview of Cindy Charlton will be up on my blog, which is getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org. Have a wonderful day. Thank you. You too. And Have happy, a blessed day. Thank you, and happy birthday again. Thanks. Okay, bye-bye. That was Cindy Charlton calling in from Colorado. If you'd like to find out about being a guest on the show, it's very easy. Just send me an email to Janine, that's J-A-N-E-A-N-E, at kuci.org. Up next, Sheldon Abbott with Cure for the Blues. He's got a lot of great things happening. I think we have some in-studio performance coming up, so stay tuned for that. Uh, enjoyed this morning's show. Again, if you want to send emails or find out about being a guest, just shoot me an email, janine at kuci.org, and I'll be back here next Monday. Have a great week, everyone.